Welcome to Turn on a Dime podcast with your host, Hannah Osborne. Turn on a Dime is the hub for examining the effects of media and cancel culture and how they coincide with past and present political events. Every other week, we'll feature a guest with knowledge on politics, media, or a combination of the two. Tune in every Monday at 3 p.m. for Turn on a Dime podcast. And now here's your host, Hannah Osborne. Welcome to the first episode of Turn on a Dime podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Osborne. Turn on a Dime podcast will be making weekly observations of past and current political events and how media plays a role in not only reporting the events, but affecting how the public perceives them. I will be specifically observing cancel culture and the pros and cons of this movement in relation to politics. This podcast will be airing every Monday at 3 p.m. for the next 12 weeks. Every other week, we'll feature a guest with familiarity on politics, media, or a combination of the two. Each week, we'll present a new topic, and these topics will provide insight on how these events and the role of media are affecting not only the public's perception of them, but the political realm as a whole. And this week, we're going to break down what is cancel culture and how does the phenomenon intersect with the media and politics, specifically the role media plays in communicating political events and how the public reacts to them, especially in public forums that promote discourse. So what is cancel culture? Thinking back 10 or 15 or even 30 years, what we now understand as cancel culture was then known as being politically correct. In simple terms, cancel culture is the public's reaction of boycotting a public figure when they have been revealed in an unfavorable light. This person in the public eye usually has some influence of power, whether that be simply being able to influence someone to purchase something or being able to influence the law. This person is found of something that the public perceives as dishonorable, and the public responds by boycotting them and taking away a form of income for them. These offenses can range from saying a slur 15 years prior, usually in their youth, to being accused of committing a serious crime, such as tax fraud or sexual assault. While the former does need reparations, the former is a much less severe social crime than committing an actual crime in the eyes of the law. Cancel culture has become a huge political ploy in recent election cycles and has been used as a tool to further polarize the two major political parties. Despite some negative connotations, cancel culture at its core does have positive intentions of holding someone accountable for their dishonorable actions. Despite this positive intention, cancel culture has a poor execution and often results in inconsistent levels of accountability. Take, for example, Colin Kaepernick versus J.K. Rowling. Colin Kaepernick did, in fact, lose his NFL contract for his opposition of ceasing to kneel on the field, which was his way of a silent protest. On the other hand, take J.K. Rowling, who the left has called for boycotting due to her transphobic remarks. Despite Rowling's public image fading, her bank account most certainly is not. And the problem that many people have with cancel culture is they see it as an impediment on their free speech. But just because you have the freedom to say something doesn't mean you're exempt from consequences. Additionally, the freedom to say something doesn't necessarily make what you say right or wrong. Overall, cancel culture could be a positive movement in our society. It's the poor execution that is presenting a problem in our culture. Another issue with cancel culture is that each side takes an issue with it, because each side has their own values and morals that come into play when they call for someone to be canceled. And this is where you see a light of hypocrisy come into play as well. 
And in all of this, media plays a huge role in perpetuating the phenomenon. The agenda-setting theory theorizes that the media sets the public perception of reality, whether true or not. When the media repeatedly emphasizes political events using buzzwords such as cancel culture, they are reinforcing the idea to the public that cancel culture is evil or cancel culture is necessary. Media entities like Fox or CNN are especially guilty of warping the public's perception of reality by repeatedly airing similar stories that don't encompass the whole picture or exaggerating the events. This is why it's really important for the public to not just take one news source in their report for fact. Taking bits and pieces of each media entity will provide a fuller picture of the events and allow the viewer to form an opinion of their own off of a number of examples. The media has an especially important role to play because the the public expects them to deliver their news in full, and the media sets the tone of this news. And the more that they're emphasizing these events and exaggerating them, the more panic they cause and the more opposition to one another's parties is increased. Another important thing to talk about in, re- in regards of media is social media. Platforms like Facebook, Twitter, even Instagram have become huge talking points for politics and a major way for people to engage in discourse, especially for Facebook and Twitter. Facebook is more commonly utilized by the older generations, while Twitter is more common with the younger generations. And Twitter is actually where cancel culture originated, especially within black communities on Twitter. These platforms allow individuals to engage and express their political views, especially in regards to who they like and don't like, and what they think the other side is doing wrong. And this is where usually cries of cancel culture come into play. The reason why these conversations are so important in holding media and politicians accountable for their words and what they say and do on the internet and in the public eye is because they are causing a rift in the politics not only, but because they use these opportunities to further polarize the public from one another rather than polarizing the public from the public figure. I think also that the American politics are taking a real hit from this perception from outside viewers, but also within, because personally, I feel that younger generations are either gung-ho on participating in politics or they are opposed to politics because they feel like it's a corrupted system. And I think that these media perceptions are further encouraging that. And also how politicians are utilizing these events and these phenomenons to harm their opponent. This is resulting in people taking politics less seriously and also having less faith in our political system. Now, let's take a look at the history of cancel culture. Cancel culture was originally a movement on black Twitter spaces specifically the black LGBTQ plus community, as pointed out in the scholarly journal Dragdom, a brief etymology of cancel culture. Despite what it has come to represent now, it was originally intended and used in a light-hearted, joking manner. The community intended for the rhetoric to be used as a, to critique systematic equalities rather than to target specific events or individuals. Looking back even further, as noted in the New York Times article, The Long and Tortured History of Cancel Culture, the language grew out of the term woke, also from black communities, which the Times defines as a spirit of vigilance to see the world as it really is. Cancel culture, as it is known today, grew out of these ideas, but also out of other political concepts, specifically political correctness. 
In an NPR article, How Cancel Culture Became Politicized, Just Like Political Correctness, Professor Emeritus at MIT, Ruth Perry, describes being politically correct as an end joke among leftists to tease one another when they believed they were being self-righteous. Perry claims that the right wing caught wind of this term and turned it into an attack in media and academia. In 1981, President George H.W. Bush was quoted saying, The notion of political correctness has ignited controversy across the land due to the boycotts of certain speakers on college campuses. NPR points out that nearly 30 years later, history mirrored itself when former President Donald Trump took hits at both political correctness and cancel culture at the 2020 Republican National Convention. What we now know as cancel culture truly began to unravel during the election cycle leading up to the 2016 election. Those who followed the campaigns of the candidates would be familiar with the concepts of cancel culture and that it became an outcry to smear certain opponents, but also certain policies guiding the conversations. Following along with the trend of cancel culture and the attitudes of respective political parties, the journal Political Correctness and the Alt-Right, The Development of Extreme Political Attitudes, references Pew Research's observation that few Americans continue to identify as moderates of either side and are gradually reverting to extremism on either side. An interesting point to be made is observing how cancel culture affects politics, yes, but at a social level in which oftentimes celebrities and influencers are being canceled. But still, the reasons they are being canceled are inherently linked to social political ideas. Now, let's take a look at some recent examples. In November of 2022, Katy Perry made an Instagram post. The post showed her LA mayoral election ballot, in which she is voting for Rick Caruso who only changed his political affiliation from Republican to Democrat last January. Perry was accused of being a sellout and being just another rich white woman voting for the person that will save her the most money, despite Caruso having a past of anti-choice donations and anti-homelessness platforms. Another recent example of a person or thing getting canceled when Tuck Carlson criticized the M&M's mascot for being too sexual. Then late last year, Mars went further. The company added obese and distinctly frumpy lesbian M&Ms to promote, quote, feminism and body positivity. In other words, explained the Mars Corporation, it's good to be fat. Have some more (laughs) M&Ms. That's right. The cartoon M&Ms faced criticism for sexualization. After Carlson's show aired, M&Ms came forward with a statement that they were giving the mascots a break and announced their new spokesperson, Maya Rudolph. The final example I would like to cover this week is Representative George Santos, who, among other things, has been accused of a number of lies he made in order to be elected. Not even three months after the election cycle came to a close, a number of Congress members are calling for his resignation or removal. Something that recently came to light is a claim that Santos was a member of the drag community, despite aligning himself with the party attacking the art form. Congressman, were you ever ever a drag queen in Brazil? No, I was not a drag queen in Brazil, guys. I was young and I had fun at a festival. Sue me for having a life. This came with outrage from both sides. One for Santos misrepresenting who he was, and for the other for Santos being a huge hypocrite in regards to the matter. This is all to say that being an active citizen is important, and being an aware citizen is even more important. This is not just taking Fox News or CNN's word for fact. This is exploring all of the media resources to come to the conclusion on your own and also researching and fact-checking these reports because oftentimes they do promote a tunnel vision in politics, which is going to further divide our country as every election cycle goes on. To a degree, I've always had some interest in politics. 
But once the pandemic started and I was spending a lot more time online, I became very, very involved in the political conversation and what was actually going on in politics. As a member of Gen Z, I think it's incredibly important to be involved in politics and especially to vote because as it stands, a majority of our representatives are representatives of another generation. There are very few people that are representing the younger generations and the generations that are going to come into the effects of what is, going to, what is being decided in Congress now. I think media and especially cancel culture are having incredibly ill effects on wh- how the public is perceiving not only politics, but how they are participating in politics. Not to say that I am innocent of committing any of these things. There are definitely lines that need to be drawn in your own values. There's also a point where you have to have the hard conversations and come to a common grounds, or there's going to be no progress moving forward. And I think that's what politicians are very good at right now, are dividing the people so that they aren't coming to common grounds to move forward and move forward in legislation and elected officials who are going to do what's best for the people. That is all we have time for this week, but be sure to tune in again next Monday at 3 p.m. where Dr. Joe Dennis will be visiting me and we'll be discussing false equivalencies in the current state of Congress. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Turn on a Dime. But wait, the content doesn't stop there. For more conversations on this episode's content, head over to my blog at hannahosbornebiz.wixsite.com. The blog and website are also linked to my Instagram at Turn on a Dime Podcast. Tune in every Monday at 3 p.m. for more episodes. This has been Turn on a Dime.